This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 258. And the quote of the day is, when the student is ready, the master will appear. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming, and beyond, and beyond, and beyond. What's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here with another session of the Drummer's Resource Podcast. I hope everybody's doing well. I hope you had an awesome weekend. I hope you're you're crushing your week so far. And hey, listen, if you are tired of getting passed over the gigs that you deserve, the gigs that you want, and you want to play higher profile gigs or get better gigs, go to drummersresource.com forward slash gigs, G-I-G-S, and you can sign up for a five-part email series. It's free, and it'll walk you through the steps of what you need to do to get bigger and better gigs. Again, drummersresource.com forward slash gigs, G-I-G-S, and it's free. You'll get five emails in a row, like five days in a row. You'll get this email sequence on how to get bigger and better gigs. Now, let's get into the session for today. This is Grant Menefee, and Grant is the professional drummer's drum teacher is the way that he describes himself. And Grant has taught guys like John Theodore, Nate Morton, Matt Halpern, a slew of others in the Baltimore area. He's also the teacher of Justin Thomas, who works for the podcast. He's the one who edits the podcast and mixes it and masters it to make it sound gorgeous the way that it does. So, uh, Justin, one, thank you for everything you do on the podcast. But two, thank you for connecting us. Uh, Justin connected Grant and I. I've known about Grant for years. I have never connected with him, though. So thanks to Justin for that. Thank you to Grant for for doing this. And this conversation is great because we talk about practice routines. We talk about different approaches, how he evaluates students, um, the sort of the two different parts of our career that we go through when we think we know everything and then we realize we don't know anything and then how to deal with that overwhelm and just a lot of great information from a master educator who has taught a lot of drummers who have gone on to be master players in their own right. So definitely glad to have Grant on the podcast. And again, thanks to Justin for for hooking it up. So without further ado, let's get into it with the one and only Grant Menefee. Grant, how are you? Thank you for doing this today. Uh, no problem, Nick. Thank you very much for having me. I'm doing great. Of course. Uh, we, As I mentioned uh, off air, there's been a lot of people who have, who have mentioned your name. I've had some of your for, former students on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin, who studies with you now, Justin Thomas, works for the podcast, mm-hmm. so he's the guy who makes this mm-hmm. thing sound amazing uh, after... After I send him some really bad audio files. Yeah, he's, he's very talented he in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's a great drummer, too. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I want to I wanna dig into a little bit of your backstory because I think that what you've done through your teaching practice is pretty amazing. You've taught some amazing players, uh, John Theodore, uh, um, uh, uh, Nate Morton, Matt Halpern. Matt Halpern, Nate Morton. I was like, I, I was thinking Nate because I, I've had him mm-hmm. and, uh, and Matt on the podcast, but you've had this teaching practice where you've taught all of these great drummers. And I, I want to go back a little bit before all that mm-hmm. and sort of get a little okay. bit of your backstory and how you got in, how you got into playing and teaching and how you perfected that craft. Because I think that there's something to be said about someone who has perfected a teaching craft. Like I'm, I'm a decent drummer. Horrible teacher. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm a horrible teacher. And I think that that is yeah. a completely different skill set. And I admire that in, 
in a lot of people. So if we could just sort of start in the beginning a little bit, just to build a little bit of context for the audience. Oh, sure. I got, I got into drumming, uh, just like, like most of everyone else that you've talked to. You, you start out early on in life and maybe at nine years old and, and you hear music, you start to hear music and you're like, wow, I really like those drums. And, you know, you get a pair of drumsticks and, and then, then it goes from there. And then I start, started in, but, you know, got a drum set, started in with the school band program, started, you know, learn how to read, develop my ear. And, um, and pretty early on just started playing with a lot of people too. And by the time I got to be about 14, my middle school band director decided, hey, look, you really need to get some serious private lessons. So we looked around and, uh, and the area that I grew up in just south of Baltimore, um, in, in Baltimore there, there's the Peabody conservatory mm-hmm. and they also have a prep program. So I started studying with Charles Memphis, Chuck mm-hmm. at the Peabody prep and then also in his private teaching practice. And yeah, you know, he was a, he was a tough old guy, but, but, uh, you know, he did get amazing results. And once he realized that I wanted to get serious about studying music and, and going on to uh, possibly music school or college, uh, he prepped me and, and he rode me hard and uh, it wasn't fun at times, but looking back, it was everything I needed. So when he then, suggested that you yeah. get these private lessons, was he saying, was it that he he saw something in you and said, "Man, we really need to refine this," or was he saying, "Hey, you're yeah. sort of falling behind and and oh, you no, need no, to no. like tighten he, up what you're doing?" And I don't mean that in no, disrespectfully. No, he, I was just curious. Yeah, no, no, no. He knew he knew I needed to tighten things up, but um, he knew he was uh, the band director was limited in what he could do to help me, and so you know we're limited in time in there, and he knew I would really had a passion for it, so. You know, he suggested if you're going to take it to another level, then, yeah, you're going to need to, to have, a, you know, some really good formal lessons. I got you. Which that along you. with the performing and playing in the band at school, I mean, that's all good and well-rounded. So, yeah, he, he definitely looked out for me. I got you. I got you. Yeah. Okay, so continue. That I just wanted to, to ask that. and. Okay, no problem. See, see what the and reason then, um, behind because I know so some, I sometimes with, you know there's I know some people you know I, me specifically I had like this ego and I thought I was this great drummer and then somebody said you know oh yeah you know you really gotta you should really go <laughs> study with somebody and get rid of the, you know I was young and and knew everything and then realized that I knew of nothing. Of course, we all did. Didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but you know you realize. Um, you know, like I, I went to a Joe Morello clinic early on. He was probably the first clinician that I saw. And then, you know, at that point, I realized, eh, maybe I'm not as good as I think I am. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah, you you have to mature, and that's all part of maturation. And and I see that with my young kids too, and I and I try to help them with that too, so that they don't their their head isn't too big and and. Right. That it, that it opens their ears, you know, because I tell them, look, if you think you're the greatest, you're going to close your ears off to a lot of good stuff. And, and um, you know, I make sure that, that 
you know, they're friendly with the other students and they develop relationships with drummers so that they can all learn together too. Plus, mm-hmm. it, you know, keeps their ego in check too. Right, right, all right. And do you think that, I mean, what, what what do you think the reason is for that? Like, why do we get this ego when we, or maybe it's just because we start to make a little bit of progress and we think we're, we're you know, we're better than we are? Or, or... Yeah, yeah. Well, when when you think about it, you're in you're in school, right? And and you you get you start playing an instrument, and people around you are like that's magic to them. You know, you mm-hmm. get to a you're, you're able to play to a certain level, and the your other friends in school are like, oh my gosh, I can't believe how good you are. And so you get all these people uh, telling you how good you are, and at that young age, that's you know you start to believe it. Yeah. And then, and then at that young age, you're also not mature enough to handle uh, competition. So mm-hmm. when competition does come in, you you put up this uh, you know uh, barrier that you know I'm better than you. Don't don't get into my turf. And you know. so it, and then that's just you just have to mature and then realize that that it's not that way and you're not as good as you think you are. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then, and then once you do that, then you're opening yourself up to a lot, a lot more quick learning and you can learn from your peers as much as you can from teachers and listening and playing sure. too. So, and to, to echo what you just said, and, and I'll tell you just from personal experience, and this isn't to talk about my story, but this is more to, to reinforce what you just said, because I agree with you when I was younger and now it's just hitting me now, as you're saying this, that everyone was mm-hmm. like, Oh, you're so good. You know, you're oh, sure. Oh, you should see Nick play drums. And I was young, you know, I was 15 years old. Yeah. And so I got that ego and I was like, Oh yeah, I'm the man. Like nobody is better than me. And then I started seeing people play a lot better than me. And you say, yeah. Oh, okay. Maybe these people don't know what they're talking about. And I'm definitely not as good as I think I am. And I think that, I think that everyone needs to go through that at some point they sort of need to get their butt handed to them and, and sort sure. of walk away it's, with their tail good. between their legs. It's good for you. So how do you do it that? As, how do you do that as a teacher without discouraging? Okay. Well, my approach is a little different than my, you know, my, my instructor, when I was in high school, he would, he would just, you know, he, he was old school, heavy handed. I just expose these guys to other players and, um, you know, and then some of the other students and they see how good other people are right away. And then they also, um, find out that they're not a threat, that they right. all do help, help each other. Mm-hmm. And, um, so their ego kind of they kind of you know mellow out and then and then say well I do have a lot to learn and and then they can learn from each other so plus they they you know nowadays with with Facebook these guys network once they meet each other in here they're all friends they all go to each other's shows um, so I, I I see that I don't see that that ego and and competition as much as i did when i was a kid no yeah i and and that that might just be our our little community here i don't know you know because i i certainly try not to to have that attitude with these guys right 
It, I've yeah. never seen, and granted, I'm not deep inside mm-hmm. of the bass community or the guitar community, but I've never seen a community like drummers where oh, yeah. everyone oh, yeah. supports each other. I mean, sure, there's a little bit of competition, but like for, for the most part, everyone supports each other. Like, you don't, right. I, I, don't think, right. I don't think there's 10 guitar players that are going to get together in a room and trade licks. Right, you know, right. I, I think yeah. they're all you know they're like organ players that are all hiding what they're doing and they don't want anybody to see their their settings and and things like that. Yeah, and I, I think, have a brother who I have a brother who doesn't play music, but he said to me just uh, within the last couple of weeks that he looks at my Facebook page and he said I've never seen anything like it. He said you guys are a tight niche. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's it's great. I think that it it fosters yeah. more. You know, it fosters this camaraderie and then people are willing to yeah. share. I mean, most of the time when I see people sharing videos on, you know, it, like if I go to and look at a guitar video, it's all these people talking about how bad they are. But on the drumming video, it's everybody saying, oh, man, I'll never be able to play that well. Or look how great this guy is. And they're sharing the mm-hmm. video all over social media. I think it's it's an, it's an amazing time to be a drummer, I think. Right. Oh, it's it's great. We um I took about 15 guys up to a, a drum show in Delaware and it was, uh, and it was fantastic. And, and oh, that was just was recently, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. It was just last month. Mm-hmm. And it, Bernard Purdy was there, Daniel Glass. And just the, the, the vibe in that room was just incredible. Um, I, I, you know, they did a great job putting that together and, you know, it was, it was a fantastic day. Yeah. And, <laughs> I, even when you, know, you go just, to it, even when you go to Nam, you know there's there's yeah. all these pictures and of drummers all hanging out together, and then there's like one guy yep. at the guitar booth. And I'm not saying anything about bass players or guitar players or anything, but it just seems like drummers are just mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. Maybe we're we're sort of like the black sheep of the musicians, and we sort of want to stick together. I guess mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Right? Yeah, and I, and I noticed that um, when when I went. When when I entered Berkeley as a freshman, and I was only eighteen, and you know, pretty scared, and and I started to meet a lot of other drummers, and and you know, we we would get together a lot in ensemble rooms and and share info and and whatnot. I even had some of the older students there. One guy in particular, uh, Pasquale Morelli's from um, Brazil. And he was he was an older student. He was married, had a wife, and uh, you know. But he was already popular in Brazil, and he he kind of like we became friends. And he several times we got together, put our sets up, and he would just show me all this Brazilian stuff. And he was just an amazing um, Brazilian drummer. Hmm. And that boy did that that set off some interest for me in sure. Latin music but just you know that kind of thing that's free not well I mean, you're paying your tuition but you know where are you going to find that kind of environment right exactly exactly it's a it's an amazing thing i, I wanted to yeah. ask you about going back a little bit we talked about how early on sometimes drummers go through this period where they have this huge ego and then you turn a corner and then you realize oh my god i know nothing and I'm so mm-hmm. overwhelmed because there's so much to learn. Where right, do I start? Right. So once 
I guess this is a two part question. One to the per, to the student who has all of this ego, what what's your advice for them? But then also the mm-hmm. the person who then turns the corner and realizes that they know absolutely nothing and are overwhelmed mm-hmm. with what to learn and and where to start. Where what are your yeah, what's you, your advice for those? Well, you, you just have, a lot of these guys that come in that I that I teach that do have that kind of ego and they're you know, they're in high school and they're, they're overplaying, they play too many notes and they, you know, usually little by little, they, they start to, they start to get it. They just, um, you know, I have little ways that, that I can show them without tearing them down too much. And, you know, and, and really if you have that kind of of an ego and you're walking around with all this, this chip in your shoulder, usually after a while you start to say, you know what, I, I, maybe I'm not as good as I think. I don't want to feel this way. Mm-hmm. All this negative uh, energy, I, I don't like this anymore. And then they decide that, and then they start to realize that that it's it's a journey. It's a journey through life. You're never going to know everything. You're never going to be able to play everything. And you start to accept that. And then you actually start to play better and you open your ears up more and, you know, and then you feel better about yourself too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you can accept that. Okay. I'm good at this. I'm good at this, but you know, I'm not good at this. Let me hang out with this guy or listen to, uh, you know, certain drummers or certain music that you can learn from. Right. I know every day I go into that studio to start teaching. I, I know that I'm going to learn something new each day, mm-hmm. every day. Sure. I know it. Sure. And, and, and that's the fun part about it. And, you know, I'll, I'll do that till the day I die, you know? <laughs> right. And I've seen other drummers do that too. I think that's the amazing thing that you never, you never get there. You, you never know? master it. No, right. Right. Never master. what is, what is mastering this instrument anyway? Right. That's yeah. true. Yeah. <laughs> I did. I, I did you, it when I was fifteen. I think I, I had it. Yeah, right. See there, you. Go. I do everything, and then I just I lost it all, and now I know nothing again. Yep. Yep. But yep. what about what about the overwhelm? I mean, I've gotten that question so many times about Nick. Where do I start? Where you know, not where do I start in terms of how do I start playing drums? But okay, I've been playing for you know seven or eight years. I've I've got you know I can play, but. There's so much. Should I practice style? Should I be working on my independence? Should I be, you know, mm-hmm. should I be learning polyrhythm? Should I be, you know, right. how should I be practicing? All these, all these questions. And for you, I'm guessing that you, it's a case by case basis. But do you have a general? A, yes. Do you yes. have a general theme? Definitely of a how case you... by case basis. Okay. But but what I try to do is is um, a lot of these guys are in a hurry, so you've got to get into their head. And say, look, slow down, be patient. Mm-hmm. Before you know it, if you do these certain steps, we figure out where where are your weaknesses, what are are the priorities in becoming a drummer, mm-hmm. and then we'll take it step by step. And if you do that and just enjoy the step by step process, you're gonna you're gonna get there a lot quicker than if you were to be overwhelmed and and not focused. Um, and so, cause you got to break things down. I mean, once, once they learn that the most important thing is playing time and playing in the pocket and, you know, getting your coordination going, 
getting that reading going so you can learn quicker and improve your ear. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they start to enjoy it and they're, they're like, Hey, I'm getting this. Right. And then, then they kind of take a deep breath and calm down and say, okay, I'm not overwhelmed. I'm just going to break everything down into small pieces and, and go from there. And that's, that's part of my job is right. to get them into that, get, get them into that mentality and get them focused so that, that they're, they're just enjoying the hell out of it. And, and they're patient. They got to be patient with themselves too. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. It's tough to yeah. So I, it's tough to have that that patience. I, I think all of us suffer from that. It's it's sort of I want uh, I just want to get there and yeah. There is no yeah, there. It, but, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there is no. And I and once they realize that, then I think they're okay. And um, once they have some successes, also they have some pretty good successes. Then they start to feel better about themselves. And then they can they can also admit their their weaknesses to other drummers and you know and then the other guys will say yeah well you know here's my weakness I can't do what you do and and so they calm down and then they're able to focus and not be so overwhelmed like you said mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's um, the the idea of evaluating and either self evaluating or having someone else mm-hmm. evaluate you. And being honest with yourself uh, and, and oh, yeah. evaluating that, I think, is really hard for a lot of people. One, because nobody likes to to admit their their you know inferiorities that they have. Um, but do you have an approach for for sort of evaluating students as they come in, or you know, mm-hmm. are you just saying, okay, sure. I know that you need, okay, I can watch you play for two minutes, and I can sort of evaluate, sort of, and then take them sort of down a path specifically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I'll tell the students, look, we're going to have you play a little bit when you come in. Um, yeah, I'll get a little background of their experience and, and maybe their their study background. And and then, um, then once I hear them play, then I kind of can size it up to a certain extent in that first lesson. But, but even then, it still takes it till, still takes me maybe a few lessons to to get them in a zone where we're both on the same page and say, okay, well, I like that because we could break the lesson down into maybe three or four issues at first that they can work on. Um, and then, they, you know, they get, I get them in a zone, get them on track and they're happy. Mm-hmm. And then I always say, look, speak up. Let me know if there's something you want to work on, uh, something you don't like. Um, let me know. Right. Uh, also, you know, like things in, like technique. If I get a, a a student that comes in that maybe plays technically a little bit different, that's out, of, you know, it's it's out of the box. But you know, and I don't teach it that way. If it works for them and they've been doing it a long time, I let them do it. Right. Unless they say to me, "Look, I don't like the way I play. Show me that that other way." Mm-hmm. But but if it works, I, I'm not going to change it. Um, it. It would be no sense, right? To, sort of breaking everything that. down and building it back mm-hmm. up. When if it works, yeah. it works. If it works, look, we're all different. Mm-hmm. We all play different. Um, I want all my students to sound different. But the right. guys that that I've taught that that are out there making all the noise, they all play different. They're all they're all very very stylistically really different. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm proud of that, too, because I don't want people saying, oh, geez, I could tell he studied with Grant. You know, look, sure. they all sound the same. Sure. <laughs> Do you see – I mean, but if there's, if you see sort of glitches or, or something that could pose a problem later, I'm guessing you try oh, to correct yeah, that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Right, right, right. Okay. Yep. The, the biggest thing I see right away when, when I have guys come in – or girls, too, because I have a lot of them – but um, is is the foot, you know, because – most people are playing rock and funk and different variations of that. And their biggest issue is, is their foot. It's mm-hmm. their foundation at bottom end. And I have different, you know, I've spent a lot of time on that because that, that can mean a lot of things to your overall sound, your groove, your ability to hold the tempo and also sound good for each style that you're, you're playing. So right. that's one of the main things things that i do first actually <laughs> that reminds me of a uh of a michael carvin quote and he said most people mm-hmm. have educated hands and uneducated feet <laughs> yeah and and i focus on that and a lot of people are surprised oh i'm working on i thought i was going to get on that pad and just you know, you know do that for forever but no i actually start with their foot a yeah. lot of times before i even talk about their hands it's like building a house right you gotta, yeah, you got to build the exactly. foundation first. Yeah, if you look at the greatest drummers, and especially in the funk and the rock style, that's their their foot is is usually very good, and it's their foundation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, one. Yeah. Well, I was gonna. I think that um, especially the hi hat is sort of an. It's almost it's almost turned into like a tag along instrument that's just there, and no one really uses it you know, mm-hmm. as an instrument, it's another, it's a whole other right. voice that's there. That's sort of exactly you know, people yeah. randomly play it with their left foot or don't have much control over it or, you know, uh, and, and I, you know, once, once I get, once I get their, uh, their main three limbs work in there, then we bring that hi-hat into it and try it different ways, focus on balance because, you know, then once you, you get that left foot going, with the ability to um, to apply that hi hat in different situations, like whether you're playing quarter notes, eighth notes, eighth notes on the offbeat, opening it up, playing playing open hi hat or splashes with your foot, you want to be able to do that when you want to be able to do it for the, for the right time in the music. You don't want to use the hi hat as a crutch, like a timekeeper. Um, necessarily, you want to do it because it, it's appropriate for that musical situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, when that time is ready in the lessons, yeah, we do that. And one of the one of the best ways I use that is and uh, Gary Chafee's um, time functioning, the the rock section uh, combinations. Once you get through that with uh, you know maybe three way independence then then we go back and then we apply that left foot with all those patterns so that in the future that student has all those tools in the toolbox to be able to do that confidently right out you know out on the gigs is that is that the um where you're starting it starts with the kick on one and then it moves to the e yeah. and then to the end uh-huh. okay. and then he moves it over yeah yeah mm-hmm. Yeah, that is. Yep. It's such a. I remember when I, I I got that 
one piece of paper handed to me. It's literally, you know, one E and yeah. uh, and I mm-hmm. looked at it and I was like, this is this is a joke. This is simple. I can play. And now I actually use that uh, mm-hmm. as sort of a as sort of a map on anything that I'm working on with my hands. I'll put I'll use those exercises underneath my underneath me. Uh, mm-hmm. to sort of learn how to play something over top of anything that's moving underneath. It's yeah, those exactly. patterns are really genius. They're simple, but they're really yeah. hard. Oh yeah. Well, Gary, Gary's a genius. I mean, he was, I mean, he's just such a, you know, yeah. such a genius that he was, he was at Berkeley, uh, through my freshman year and just that little bit of, um, you know, that, that time, uh, was, was really great. And I've met him a couple times after that. And, uh, the, the, a lot of what he did in the curriculum still to this day is used there. I mean, it, yeah. it's still pretty much, he, 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 le- he left his mark. Mm-hmm. Believe me. I, I like the idea of it being a systematic approach of, I I'm and I, I would love to hear your thoughts on this because I I don't think that I would take those patterns and sort of put them into my playing, but more of mm-hmm. a way as sort of a of a a systematic way to make sure that you're covering every single base when you're trying to learn something so that you have it at That's your disposal right. moving forward. That's right. Because suppose suppose there's one particular combination that just doesn't work for you and. You need to you need to find out which that's the whole idea of those. Find out which combination is is awkward for you, and then that's where you focus on. Mm-hmm. You know, don't mm-hmm. just keep playing the stuff that you can already play. Find out. Okay, I don't feel comfortable playing the bass drum on the E of one when I'm playing the the hi hat on the and mm-hmm. with the foot. And if that combination feels funky for you then that's where you focus until you until you make that and turn that into a strength right yeah and that's it that's his whole idea of that yeah and it's it works it's yeah it's it really it's, it does it's it's amazing how even even after going through that book just how much control you have over your limbs of the stuff and just yep. like oh let me put the let me because then you can you know obviously you know you can you can open that up. You can play the stuff with your left hand and, you know, you can have all these different patterns that are going on, uh, over top of it or however you want to play it. Um, yep. and it's just, it's amazing how much it opens up. It opens up your playing and you don't even really notice it happening. It just happens. Yes. And it, yeah, it happens when you go, then when you go to, uh, practice with your band Go out. You're challenged on certain songs. It's there, right? Because you've done done the groundwork. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. and and yeah, and and one of the uh, Nate Morton, who you know, everybody knows and Mm -hmm. sees him on on the Voice all the time. You know, he he thinks back fondly when he was studying that Chafee stuff with me. That you know, that was some of his favorite material. He said, yeah. you know, there you go, and and look look at what he's challenged with. On a you know, they they probably learn 150 songs even before the show starts. So they have that you know that ability to give to these singers and and see what's going to go. Not all 150 songs get on the show, but you know he's challenged. He's mm-hmm. got to be able to perform all that. So right. 
uh, if he'd had if he had any of these weaknesses, it would it would have been a lot harder sure. for him. This session is brought to you by my friends at DW Drums. And not only do DW make amazing drums, but they foster drumming initiatives all over the world, much like this podcast. And you can learn about all of their great products at DW, Gretsch, LP, Gibraltar, all of that at DWDrums.com and all their other sites. Be sure to check them out. They've been supporting this podcast for a very long time. I definitely appreciate it. And they just make great, great products. Check them out, DWDrums.com. While not all successful drummers read music, today's drummer needs every edge he or she can get to surpass the competition. So whether you need to start from the beginning with basic rhythms and notation or need to improve your chart reading and interpretation skills or want to challenge yourself with sight reading, the drum reading course offered by the Drum Program at Musicians Institute can help you become an expert reading drummer. To learn more, visit mi.edu. Musicians Institute, instrumental in life. It's no secret that drummers can't agree on much, but they do agree on the Evans UV-1. And with its patented UV-cured coating, it lasts longer and holds stronger than traditionally coated heads. uv one single ply of unique 10mm film is more resistant to stretching and denting. These two features combined make it the first choice for drummers who've grown tired of heads that flake, chip, and wear out before their time. You can learn more about the UV-1 at EvansDrumHeads.com. Now let's get back into it with Grant Menefee. You had mentioned about playing things that that sort of challenge you or finding the things that challenge you because I, I think we all fall into this thing where you sit down behind the kit to practice and what's the first thing you do? You start playing the stuff that you know how to play. And exactly. And it feels yeah. good and and you know, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Um, how do you suggest that people get out of that habit? Because I think that's a that's a bad I I think there's a big difference between playing and practicing, obviously. So how do you suggest that people get well, out of that and start challenging themselves? If, if you don't have a, if you don't have a teacher and you're doing it on your, your own, I would suggest do what, what you suggested. Uh, be honest with yourself. Um, where, where, you know, be honest with yourself. Where are my weaknesses? Um, you know, and if that bothers you, then, then, then focus on those weaknesses. If you, if you're not good at, um, you know, you, let's say you're weak in Afro-Cuban and you really want to do it, you know, focus on that and just set goals and say, okay, I'm going to learn this groove. I'll get this book and then listen to these different players and, and see how, how we're going to uh, improve that. That's, that might be a weak area for you. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I can't, I don't, I can't play that Samba rhythm. Okay. Well then work on it. Right, and you're gonna to have to realize you got to be patient, and it's gonna take it's gonna take a while. Yeah, <laughs> that's the hardest. Sometimes, part I mean, depending on how difficult something is for you, it could be two years before you really own it and right. are able right. to really play it on a gig. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's so. Yeah, just just so I would suggest be honest with yourself. What are your goals? What do you want to learn? And then go from there. I get a lot of guys who come in that, um, in my area, I have a lot of gospel drummers mm-hmm. and these guys are, I mean, they're fantastic. They have chops. They, you know, they're one thing that they can do is they, they can overplay in that style, but then they, they get to a certain point, a lot of them that they realize, 
hey, you know, gosh, you know, I'm really good at this style, but I can't, I can't play jazz. I can't play, I can't play the Latin different Latin styles. Um, I can't read. Mm-hmm. So they come into me and say, yo, I'm ready to really learn and get get um, diversified, right? And more versatile. And that that's how one of the ways how I met Mike Reed who came in and was just a, a really local gospel star and, and still is. And he started to expand on all these different styles. And, and little by little, I mean, he, um, he started to play with different artists. He got out of the gospel thing and now he's, you know, he's touring with Rihanna, BB Rexa. He's, he, I, I see him on TV all the time. Right. It's amazing. <laughs> so yeah, he, he really got out of that, but he, when he's home, he still does play gospel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What is your approach or suggestions for practicing? How do you advise your your students to practice? I, this is a long, you know, the long debate that that there is no mm-hmm. right or wrong answer. But I like hearing, I like hearing everyone's approach so that the listeners can pick apart and say, oh, I like this idea, or I'll take this mm-hmm. and I'll sort of build that into my my own practice routine. Well, I think that one of the most important, it depends on your, 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 uh, level and your age and, and whatnot. And, and, and if you're used to practicing and concentrating for a long time, but I definitely suggest one of the most important things is making sure that you, you give yourself breaks. And I don't mean necessarily taking a break and then, going off. I'm, I'm saying if you're working on a specific groove or a figure, make sure that, that you, you, let's say you repeat it for a minute and a half or whatever, make sure you stop Mm -hmm. just, just for even 20 seconds, stop, let your mind reset. And then when you come back to that, it's like magic. You're going to, you're going to find that, that you're going to play it better that second time. Right. Then you do it over and over again, but you've got to reset your mind. You can't just continue to play that and start to make mistake, 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 because at that point, your mind is, is taking a dive. Your concentration level is, is going. So you have to take breaks that, that would be a, a, um, you know, it it works like magic. It's, It's incredible. Yeah. Then the other, another thing, I mean, set daily goals. And make sure that they're 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 small. You know, like you you could say, okay, today I'm going to work on going to work on my foot. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do these four patterns, and I'm going to work on that for a while. Then, okay, I'm done with that. Then I'm working on this groove, a certain funk groove or whatever, a linear groove. And it, depending on the difficulty, you're going to say, well, I might only work on two of these today, and you know, and, and keep it, you know, just keep it, don't, don't over, I like your word, overwhelm. Don't overwhelm yourself with too many things at once. Mm-hmm. I think we naturally so, do that. We yeah. put all these things yeah. on our plate, right? Yep. And we say, oh, yep. and I'm going to, all right, starting Monday, I'm going to start practicing four hours a day. I've been practicing yeah. two years, but I'm, on Monday, I'm going to start, you know, practicing for hours. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, yeah. But that'll it, last for a day. You can do that. You could do that, but just make sure that you don't try to try to bite off more than you can chew in those four hours <laughs> and yeah. break those four hours up. Sure. 
and I think it up. I think it's a lot. I mean, you, you, you would probably agree. I think that I think you're better off practicing, you know, 20 minutes a day than, you know, four hours every couple of months when you get back into your practice routine that only lasts a day or oh, two. Oh yeah. Yeah. And you, you're just cramming. Yeah. Right. That can, yeah, I mean, the consistency is the, because I, I think there's a, there's a lot of parallels with, you know, with anything, with working out, you know, we're, Oh, I only have mm-hmm. 20 minutes, so it's not worth doing it today because oh, I don't no, no. have I, an hour or I don't have yeah. two hours. Yeah. And they don't do it. Right. No, I tell people, look, you have five minutes, work on that groove for five minutes. Right. And, and but every, all that builds up. Mm-hmm. I keep, um, I keep a stack of papers under one of my floor toms. If I have a student that's late, I I'm working on certain material that, that, that I'm working on. I might only get three or four minutes until that student comes in, but at least I'm working on it and you know, I'm stealing some time there. It's really valuable. Yeah. Plus my mind doesn't, you know, take a dive either Mm -hmm. in that short amount of time. Sure. So yeah, I, I, please, if you know, I'll tell, I'll tell the guys, look, if, even if you only have 10 minutes, do it, Mm -hmm. get it in. Yeah, ten minutes a day, every day for three hundred and sixty-five days is a lot more than you know. A few it's hours. incredible. Yeah. Yes. One hundred percent. So. Yep. I know that you've had you know you've had students who have gone on to you know get big gigs. I mean, you have Matt Halper, Nate Morton, John mm-hmm. Theodore. Um, mm-hmm. Is there when students come in, guys like that? Are they automatically? Do they automatically stand out, or is it the work ethic that makes them stand out? Not necessarily. <laughs> no. Not necessarily. You know, I'm not going to mention which ones, but but they're I, they're in that group that you mentioned. I mean, um, you know, some of them didn't stand out too much, um, but things clicked for them after a while. And then maybe they started to get more interested in it at a certain point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you're always going to have you know some of the like prodigies. Like Matt, Matt Halpern was a prodigy. Yeah. Um, you know, he was a prodigy. He came to me already playing his butt off, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, Dennis Chambers recognized his ability as a young young age, and you know, people just knew. But there's no guarantee that his his passion for it was going to stay as he became an adult right it did but i've seen other people that that have been prodigies and then they, they stopped playing so you never know you just right. never know that's why i don't give up on anybody and i i, I guess i was yeah. more interested on in what you think is the the differentiator is it this natural born ability or is it or is it the hard work that they put into it it could it could be either yeah um it, no matter um you know matter how much work uh, or uh, natural ability you have that work ethic still is going to be really important and if you're you're lazy and you're you know you don't have the passion then you're probably not going to succeed mm-hmm. even if you have that natural ability right yeah cuz at some yeah. point you have to you still have to hone your craft yeah you know so even and, if you and can Matt Halpern, play to get back to him um is as good as he is and was naturally still is one of the hardest working guys. I, I ever want drummers I've ever met. Mm. Yeah. So. He won't admit it. Cause he's really, he's, you know, he's, he's, 
he's he's definitely got his ego in check because he's always eh, no, that's not me that's not me other right. guys work harder than me but now he's amazing his work ethic is amazing it's, so even with the natural ability then i've seen other guys that don't have that much natural ability but uh can outwork the next guy mm-hmm. they'll just outwork them right and just become unbelievable it's like so you look at guys like Michael here. Jordan or, or Kobe Bryant or anything. I mean, those, sure, those guys have a lot of natural talent, but they're also the hardest guy, the hardest working guys in the NBA, you know, or they yep. were, you know, at their at their uh, at their peak when they were playing. I mean, there was a documentary on Kobe Bryant where he was arguably the greatest player in the game at the time and was still out practicing everyone, still outworking mm-hmm. everyone, you know, still taking him. 300 free throws after the game, you know, it's like, yep. okay, he's. And then you also hear the stories about the athletes and drummers that, that, you know, maybe early on people didn't think they were all that good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't want to be that educator that, you know, I pick up a modern drummer later and said, yeah, I started with that guy, Grant. And he didn't, you know, he didn't really believe in me and, told me to do something else and I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> you know, I don't remember who it was. I had someone on the podcast. Who was it? And they said they went to their they went to their teacher and they were like, "Yeah, it's probably not going to happen for you. Like you should you consider you should consider doing something else." And they went on to have a a masterful career. And man, I wish I could remember who it was. Yeah. I mean, it would blow well, your mind. Who it was? Somebody you know who's playing. With I'm telling you, I'm sure that happens you know? all the time. Everybody has a story like that, right? You know, and and no way. I mean, I'm I'm not going to do that. I'm I'm going to I'm going to support that student as long as they want to play. I'm I'm there. I'm their best friend. I'm their biggest fan. And and uh and yeah, right. No way. I'm going to keep it positive and and so that eventually. Because I've seen guys go along for a long time that struggle, and then all of a sudden something clicks, and yeah, because they didn't give up, and something clicks, and wow, magic. Yeah. That's that's the way the that's the way that it yeah. works. It's amazing how, how that, many people. That's a shame, people. and it, that that story that you just told me, and and it's probably somebody that's that's really big out there now. I can't remember. But I wish I, re- I wish I could remember who it was. And they, but they told the story on the podcast where they said, you know, I went and the teacher basically was, you know, like, yeah, you, you kind of yeah. suck and you should probably not do this. And, and they were like, well, I'm going to, you know, I think they like dropped out of school or dropped out of the college or something. I don't remember. I, I'm, I'm yeah. fumbling over my words because I don't remember who yeah. it was. I'm trying to hey, remember. It doesn't matter. It just, it, it, it it's a shame. Uh, no educator should should do that. No, I agree. That's, that's, yeah, that's not right. So, do you have an over yeah. sort of an overarching philosophy or or approach when it comes to students and to your teaching practice? Mm, no, not really. I mean, yeah. I just I just have a lot of passion for the for the instrument. Um, you know, I love people. I want to see I want to see everybody else. I want to see them get really good and I want to see them, you know, achieve and become really, really good at, and not just drums, but life, you mm-hmm. know, whatever their goals are that they learn something from this experience. You know, I, not all my students become drummers uh, as far as professional, but 
most of them play the rest of their lives. Uh, they, uh, no matter what they get into, it never leaves them. And I, and that's what I want. Right. You know, I've had students become, you know, I see them grow up, they become attorneys, uh, doctors, whatever. But th- this was an important part of their life. And they still, they still love it and still play and will always own a drum set right. and, and play at some, at some level. At the end of the day, how can you compete with that, you know? Yeah, <laughs> it's yep. that's all that really matters is if you're you're happy and you're and you're doing the stuff that you want to do and and you get to play drums at your yeah you know, at your yeah. convenience whenever you as much or as little as you as you want to. Yeah, there's there's you know you get a lot out of doing this mm-hmm. and, and and also you know I, I want to see their quality. Look, I have a really good a good life up to now, man. Things are going well. I want that for them too. Sure. Sure. And, and, and also I, I, Oh, you know, I want to mention something about like working with guys that are like that age group between 18 and 25, uh, which, you know, I I see a lot of students in that age group. That is a tough age. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That is a, a, cause they're, they're trying, they're becoming men and they're, they're like, they're they're but inside they're afraid because they're, you know, they got their life coming up. They want to succeed. Um, There's social pressures. Oh my gosh. The anxiety that these guys open up to me and, and, you know, and I'll tell them, look, I remember that. That that was hard. It Mm -hmm. was really hard. Right. And as I said, just hang in there, keep, keep working. Things will work out for you. um, If you don't give up, but you know, just, you know, if I can bring their anxiety level, down a little bit, let them just focus on their goals, then then that's a big help. That's mm-hmm. a horrible age, though. <laughs> right? Yeah, it is a it is a tough age. Well, I think that that's, I think that's what separates you from a lot of a lot of instructors is I think a lot of people teach as a side gig, but they would rather be playing. And what I'm sensing right. from you is that yeah. you love playing, but you're you love teaching. And oh, yeah. there's I guys the who stick sure out. Yeah. There's guys who stick out like that. You know, like Mike Johnston, yeah. I think, is a is another yeah. example of just an edge. He's an educator. He loves yeah. educating. And for me And and he found his niche in a certain way. Right. And how he's like his his whole thing is way different than mine. And he's mm-hmm. you know, it's internet, it's uh you know, and he he enjoys that and, and it's worked for him and he's able to get a lot of information out there to students in that way and that's his niche and Mm -hmm. my niche has been you know one-on-one and 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 you know as long as that that worked you know i just kept it kept it at what at that because people would say well why don't you do more on the internet or uh why don't you um do skype and and i would just tell them i don't have to because you know my you know, I have a waiting list. I always have students, you know, I'm very blessed with that. So I, I just, you know, why would I change things when it's going so well, but we're all different. And mm-hmm. that's what I tell these guys. You've got to find your niche, right? Everybody approaches their career differently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, once you find that niche, go with it. And I think that I say this a lot, and I think it probably rubs people the wrong way, but I don't think that you should be teaching 
drums if you don't enjoy it and you're just doing it to make money because you can't get the gigs that that you're trying to get right well if if that's the case if if that is the case you're not going to teach long right because you're because it's it's too demanding it's it takes too much energy it takes um you know and if it, the students aren't going to stick with you and right um they're, they're going to pick up on the fact that you don't have the passion for it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they will so yeah. It, it's yeah it, it, it that's just short term I put a couple of bucks in my pocket. I'm teaching at the, teaching at the local store for a while, and you know that it's not gonna last. Right. And I actually did that. I taught for a few years, and I had a couple of students that did really well. You know, but mm-hmm. I I didn't enjoy it, and I I kind right. of felt bad about it for a little while um, that I didn't enjoy it. And then I said, you know, this is this is just not my thing. But now. I feel like I've sort of transitioned. Now I have this podcast and I feel like I'm still yeah. helping, you know, further drummers exactly. out there, but it's not on this one-on-one. So it's like, I found my, I found my, my niche that I can, That's that I exactly. can focus on. There you, know? you are. And yeah, I love and it. You're, you're good at it. Okay. You found well, it out. I don't it, know. If I, it, I don't know if I'm good at it. Good let's, at not, it. let's not go too and, far. And uh, no, no, no. I've, you know, I've mentioned your podcast to a lot of people. They know it. They, and there's other ones out there that are also good, and mm-hmm. I've been interviewed on, and and I enjoy them. But but uh, you know, no, you find your niche and go with it, and um, that's great. Yeah, that's fantastic, Nick. Well, thank you. I I, you. I, I wasn't. Wish you I, in the future. I wasn't. Thank you. I wasn't fishing for a compliment. I was just sort of. No, uh, no, no. That's fine. You know, just wanted to echo the fact that you know, I think. Yeah, I think you're doing yourself a disservice and the students a disservice if, like you said, if you're kind of like, ah, oh, just put a few bucks in my pocket. Let me just, uh, I'm not on the road right now, so I guess I can teach a few lessons. Yeah, but you tried it. You at least yeah, tried it. Yeah. Suppose, suppose you would have been good at it and liked it. Sure. Then that sure. would have been okay. So, yeah. so that's fine. You got to try things. Yeah, I wish I, I actually wish I did enjoy it more because I think it's, yeah. I think it's extremely important, but whatever, I'll do it. All, I'll do it my way this, you know, on the podcast. So. <laughs> uh, That's fine. So I know that you had mentioned that you have a waiting list, but if people yeah. want to get in touch with you, if people want to sort of get on your waiting list or, or maybe mm-hmm. explore different options of studying with you, what's the best way to do it? Yeah. Um, you know, don't let that, that waiting list thing scare anybody if they are interested um, because you know, depending on your schedule, what time of day that that a student can come in, you know, it 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 you know I can I can work with you and a lot and there is always uh you know there are people leaving so um you know I'll work with people mm-hmm. but anyway if anybody want to get any they want to get in touch with me I do have a a website um, uh, grantmenifee.com if you just put that in there it, it'll It'll come up. It has my um, phone number, my email, um, and also I'm on Facebook also. Okay. So there's plenty of ways that people can get a hold of me. Perfect. And I recommend okay. that anyone do anyone who's looking to study in the. I guess you're in you're in the Baltimore area, right? Baltimore, Washington area. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. East Coast. I just moved from there, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, last week. Well, good luck. Out well, there. thank you. The weather's nice, and it's a little bit. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a little, uh, it's a little nerve wracking. But anyway. Oh but yeah. Well, you you you'll you'll get used to it. I think so. I think the weather will help me transition. Yeah. 
but Grant, I want to one uh, thank you for for being a part of this, taking the time to chat with me today. Also, thank you for for what you're doing for the drumming community. You are you're crafting or shaping the the drumming scene for the future, and you're you're helping all these people realize their goals and and putting great drummers out there in the world. So that is that is an amazing thing, and I applaud you for that. Oh, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. That was, that was, that's my goal. That's my goal anyway. That's so, that's perfect. So, um, but again, thank you for, for taking the time. I do appreciate it. And, uh, hopefully we can, we can talk in person soon. I appreciate that. Oh, that would be great. Right. Thank you, Nick. Grant. Thank you. And, uh, I will talk to you soon. Yeah. If there's anything else I can do for you in the future, just let, let me know. I appreciate it. Likewise. Likewise. Happy to help any way I can. Thanks, Grant. Thanks so much. So there you have it, the one and only Grant Menefee for the links to everything that we talked about in the show. You can go to drummersresource.com forward slash session 258. Also, if you go to grantmenefee.com, you can learn about his teaching practice, get on that mailing list. And like he said, don't be discouraged about the mailing list because he may be able to fit you in or, you know, students drop out, I'm sure, and you can get in there. So definitely don't let that discourage you. And also, if you want to learn how to get bigger and better gigs, I suggest getting the free five-part email series at drummersresource.com forward slash gigs. That's drummersresource.com forward slash G-I-G-S. And until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening, and I will be talking to you soon. Peace.